Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 37 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and if you have a chance, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We thank you for all that have subscribed so far. We know it is a crowded market and there are a lot of choices, so we appreciate you taking a chance on us. Joining me today is my good friend, long-time tag team partner since back in 1974, the man that Antonio Inoki originally called the big dog of professional wrestling, Stephen Jefferson Douglas Cook. Junior the third. Stephen, how are you? Oh, hey, 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 Larry Bazanka. What's up? Not much, brother. Just uh got in from a morning therapy session and uh you know, doing all the walking. Doing all the walking. Walking in the now did you they you didn't have to walk out in the stinky, steamy heat, did you? Not today. I I have uh there's other days when it hasn't been as hot I have. They have uh they have like a little outside, not, not like obstacle course, but there's a place outside for you to learn, learn to walk up a like concrete ramp and stuff like that. And uh, but no, I did not have to do that today, thankfully, because it's very hot outside. Well, that's good because it's just, it's just kind of ridiculous out there. I stepped outside, and the second I stepped outside, my sunglasses just steamed right the heck up. When that happens, you just know it's a bad time. Yeah, that is uh, that's no bueno, dude. I'm, I'm not down with that at all. It's a uh... Yeah, very, very much too hot, and uh, did not want to do that. But I tell you what, dude, it's I, I think I talked about this maybe with Jeremy before, but it is like really weird right now because, like you know, like going out, like we went out to uh, dinner last night, and we stopped and got some breakfast this morning, so we're out, and like you get like the I get like the weirdest looks from people sometimes. Like apparently, people have never seen a person with one leg. Yeah. Um yeah. but but you know like like last night we went to dinner and I was after a very long therapy session I was tired so I was I was in the wheelchair rolling in cuz I was just exhausted and um so rolling in and I'm waiting for Christy to take Aunt Alex to the bathroom so I'm waiting for them out by the register and I'm sitting there and um I'm wearing uh when you put on the prosthetic leg you put on first you put on this it's called a um it's a it's a gel, kind of like a gel wrap. It's a gel sleeve. It goes on and it, you know, sticks to your leg and everything. And it has a screw coming out the end. Mm. So then, when you put the uh, the socket over that, you hear it go and lock in to your prosthetic. So I'm just sitting there and I'm waiting for them to come out. And this guy comes over. and He goes, "Hey man, is that for a prosthetic leg?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "How'd they get that screw in there, man?" So, of course, I'm just in the mood right now that when people ask me stupid questions or are rude about it, I'm like, well, when they knocked me out and cut the leg off, I said they basically just uh, put some bitch in there with a hammer. Yeah. And he goes, holy shit, man. He's like, does it hurt? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm on tons of morphine. It's great. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, how'd you lose your leg, man? I was like, um, well, I'm like, I don't really like talking about it. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, but he's like, I just, I just wanted to know. I'm like, well, I was on a camping trip with my friends. I said, I got lost in the mountains, um, and I fucking buried it. <laughs> and this dude 
looked mortified. <laughs> and I just, um, I have a collection of stories now. Uh, mm. Like I talked to um, like the therapist, they were joking about, you know, how, like, yeah, people can be like really rude about it. And they're like, yeah, like, like you should just have some shit like in your holster to make up. So I was like, sure. you know, I have a shark attack off the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. I have uh, the bear attack in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, I have the old, uh, the Happy Gilmore, the Chubbs, the uh, the uh, crocodile down by the water. Mm-hmm. That's a good one there. Yeah, one golfing. So, uh, but I yes, have, I got I got a few. I think there's a I think there's a good variation for your mountain story. I think you should. Uh, I think it should have been that you fell fell asleep one night while you're stuck in the mountain with your friends, and uh, when you woke up, you found out that they had uh, cut off and eaten your leg. See, I can do that too. Yeah. Well, cannibalism. I think that would uh, freak some people out. But yeah, I'm just to the point now that it's like, if you're going to be like that, like, like there was one dude like in the middle of our dinner one night that just like interrupted our dinner and he's like, how'd you lose your leg? And I'm like, can you not see him like sitting here with my family? I'm like, fuck man, <laughs> like go away. So I just have like rude answers now. And that's uh, like the celebrity. I mean, they, he didn't ask your autograph or nothing. Yeah, so it's just yeah. really, really fucking weird. But uh, there were some amputees that came through the airport the other day. There's, I guess, there's a summer camp actually that uh, they have for like uh, child amputees and like the the counselors are like adult amputees. They've all been through it and they're all and they go out and they do summer camp type things where you know there aren't people there staring at them and being like, oh, where'd your leg go or you know that kind of thing. And I was talking to one of them and. After they left, like the other one of the other workers asked me, "Well, how'd they lose their leg?" And I was like, "I, I, I didn't, I didn't think to ask. It just yeah. seems kind of seems kind of awkward, you know." <laughs> I mean, she was talking about she was talking about like the summer camp and stuff. But I, I, I didn't think to go. Yeah, so where'd your leg go? <laughs> you know. I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> where the, what happened to you? What happened to you, bitch? What happened? Come on now. <laughs> it's it's just like really weird. Like like I said, like the way it happens sometimes too. Like right in the middle of dinner and stuff. It's like really, guy. I'm like, you're gonna hit me up with that right now. Yeah. But, People uh, are curious, I suppose. I guess, but but anyway, that's a uh, that's a uh, the that's the latest. Uh, been going through therapy, going well, making progress. Uh, I'll get, I'm getting there eventually. So. He's gonna be able to challenge Drew Gulak here in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I just, uh, I'll, I'll have to, I'm going to have to go back to, I'll have to go back to wearing the long tights though. Yeah, so yeah. I can, I can fake him out. So when he goes for like the ankle lock, he grabs the wrong leg. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, what you gotta do is you gotta train with Matt Riddle because if there's one thing we know about Drew Gulak, it's that he cannot defeat Matt Riddle. That just cannot happen for him. This is true. And He's we like, what? I want 86 this guy. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, so, uh. So, Steve Cook, we're talking about uh, kind of a lot of subjects today. Uh, number one, we didn't really get to dive into it on Sunday night when we did the Extreme Rules uh, post-game show. Brock Lesnar, the new WWE Universal Champion. Yeah. Uh, so, just uh, first off, before we get real deep into it, just overall thoughts on Brock as champion again. Well, it's uh, we're back to where we started, pretty much. We're back to what we've been seeing for the past few years now, where... Brock Lesnar is pretty much constantly the universal champion or whoever championship happens to be on Raw at the at the moment. He always has it whenever he whenever he randomly shows up, and then he randomly disappears for a while. So it's it's nothing new. This isn't a new, a new development or anything like that. We've we've been here for the last few years now. And when I was researching for an upcoming column of mine, 
you realize he came back in like 2012. It's been seven years of the second round Brock Lesnar. It doesn't feel like that long, does it? No, because he's never around. Because he's never around, you never see him. So he, he hasn't he doesn't stick around long enough to get old and tired. So I mean, in, in that in that perspective, I, it works for me. The only downside is that when he's not around, things don't matter as much, which is part of why Seth Rollins' title reign didn't work out. Also, with uh, you know, you have to chalk up a lot of that to Baron Corbin as well. Um, lack of compelling challengers, lack of any other challengers besides Baron Corbin there. Well, is what it is, I suppose. But we're doing this deal again, where we we had the match at WrestleMania. Now we're gonna have the match against SummerSlam, and we're all gonna head to SummerSlam, probably thinking, "Oh, this is the time where Seth is gonna go over and get the big win." <laughs> Good, exactly. No, that's not happening, folks. That's not happening, folks. Well, I mean, I'm telling you, Brock's gonna win at SummerSlam, and uh, we'll see at Survivor Series against whoever the SmackDown champion is. And then Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Here we go. Uh, don't don't forget, he'll probably make an appearance at Sweet Saudi Money Four as well. Oh okay. yeah, can't forget that. Can't forget that. He's got to make his bank. Yeah, make the bank there too. So, yeah. But so, <laughs> I, I hate to tell you, if you do, if you think this is leading to good news for Seth Rollins, well, I'm afraid I got some bad news for you. As somebody used to say. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not thrilled with it. Um, I think that you know they. There's a nice kind of like synergy to the whole angle in a way that, you know, Seth originally cashed in on Brock and then they had to match at Mania and this is Brock getting revenge for Seth kicking him in the nuts like 18 times and curb stomping him to death before he pinned him and all that. And that's fine in a way, but a lot of people are going to point to that they went back to Brock because Brock's a real draw. And if you guys have been paying attention to goddamn ratings and everything, it's like, he really isn't. He really hasn't moved network numbers. He doesn't really move live event numbers all that much when he is there. And it's it's really not. It's more of a perception thing for WWE because they have him and they had Brock and they had Ronda Rousey, which helped them get these billion-dollar TV deals. That's why he's around. He's not a draw in the conventional sense, so stop using it that way. He's there for other reasons, and I freely admit that. But everybody's going to point to Seth's failure as a champion and that nobody wanted to see Seth. And Steve already brought up, there's two problems with that. Number one, they saddled him with like Baron Corbin the whole fucking time. And that dude is ratings death, interest death, everything death. He's horrible. And the only That's reason... That's how you real feel, Larry. <laughs> the only reason I wanted him to win the title at, at uh, the last pay-per-view was just because I knew it would do insane numbers for the website and the podcast. Oh, it would have been great. But other than that, it would have been horrible. But he's he's not a good professional wrestler. He's not a good heel. He's not a good talker. He's not a good anything. He's probably a really swell bartender at Fridays. But that's about it. But everybody's going to want to blame. There's people that are going to want to blame Seth Foley on it. And it's not all his fault. Because WWE saddled him with Baron Corbin. And then that whole time, they never took the time to build up anyone else. Nope. Not a not one single solitary person has been built up during this whole time. To be honest with you, I mean, I guess hey, Baron Corbin was kind of built up, I guess. But uh, and how about them spending the last month of Seth's title reign uh, making him uh, second fiddle to Becky Lynch? Yeah, and then how about it's, that? It's just it didn't work, and it's like it didn't work because they didn't put the effort into it. 
There's nobody even sniffing being ready for a main event shot. Nope. There really isn't. What are you going to do? Put Joe in there to lose his ninth world title match? Yeah. yeah. Throw Braun Strowman out there again for the 18th time? Yeah, I mean, it's... Shit, and then the worst part is, like, in theory, Lashley was getting heated up. They could have had him win in Extreme Rules, and a lot of people wanted to see Lesnar and not Lashley. But again, they just... They killed anything they did with him. Nobody is ready because they didn't put the effort and time into it. And then the other thing is, to me, it's... Like you said, Steve, we're right back where we started. And honestly, I'm to the point that I'm really sick of money in the bank. Yeah, I've been there, I've been there for a while, man. Yeah, it's, um, it's just a complete booking crutch because, yes, it has created some really cool moments. Like, Edge's first world title win was fucking awesome. RVD cashing in, pre-announced at the ECW one-night stand pay-per-view. That's great. You know, there's cool things that have happened. But the thing is, is they have used money in the bank and they've become consumed with fucking making moments. Mm -hmm. It's no longer about building somebody up over months or a year or two. It's no longer about the journey. It's about, we're going to put give somebody their first world title and it's going to be a fucking moment whether anybody likes it or not. The WrestleMania moment. That's yeah, right. Yeah, and it's, that's part of the problem with me. And I, I just, like, and part of the other thing is too, is like, like the matches are pretty good and sometimes great, but I just, I don't think they're nearly as good as they used to be in many ways. And I just, I kind of lose interest in them because... I have no faith in the booking and like this year's match just like totally shit the bed for me in terms of I was really enjoying that match. <laughs> and then Brock comes out all of a sudden <laughs> cashes in a million dollars to walk down and kill Ali and grab a briefcase. The only good thing that came from the whole money in the bank thing with Brock was him dancing with that fucker like it was a boombox. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty solid. That was one of uh the top rock moments here in recent memory. I think you have to agree. What's Ali been up to since then, by the way? He actually appeared on SmackDown this week. They've been doing videos Whoa. for him. But um, he, Nakamura was backstage and talking about how he's going to create chaos as the new Intercontinental Champion. And then they panned out and Ali was standing there kind of smiling. He was like, hey, congrats, champ. And just kind of walked away smiling. So I think they're going to tease that possibly for his uh, Nakamura's next feud because... That's going to be a kick-ass SummerSlam pre-show match, let me tell you. I mean, if they make the pre-show, sure. If they make the pre-show, that's right. It might be part of the... Uh, are they going to have the access matches on SummerSlam weekend? <laughs> might air it like on the WWN Network as a payback for the Evolve show. On the NXT When Worlds Collide weekend? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I mean, hopefully Ollie starts getting some run again because they, they took him off for a lot, while and then they started running good video packages for him and... You know, it's just, I uh, hope they, again, hope they have a plan. There were a couple of unfamiliar faces that popped up on SmackDown this week, actually. It seemed like uh, all the people, it seemed like all the people Kevin Owens mentioned in that preview, in that interview the week before all decided to show up this week. SmackDown felt like a Vince Russo show. As in, <laughs> I thought like, Bischoff was taking over. Yeah, but it's like, they did a lot of things, but they really did nothing. Yeah. Like, tons of segments, tons of people, tons of things appearing to be going on, 
But nothing much really happened. Hey, Liv Morgan was there. That's pretty cool. I like that. Well, it was good for her, and she's going to be gone again for like six months. <laughs> she immediately she comes back, she loses, and she immediately says, I'm going away, and I'm going to come back tougher or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think I she know. said, I'm going to come back realer next time or whatever the hell that means. Realer? What the hell? Is- I don't know. I will sure say, though, I did laugh heartily when she asked Charlotte if there was anything of her that was real. <laughs> Because let me tell you, man, you look at some 2014 Charlotte pictures and you look at some 2019 between surgery, Photoshop and the road owning her. Woo. Mm. Woo. Indeed. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's definitely something, but yeah, the, the Brock thing, not a big fan. And like you said, he's, he's going to beat Seth. My only hope for SummerSlam is that, you know, Brock likes working with the smaller guys. Yeah. He likes work. He liked working with Punk. He liked working with AJ and Finn and all the, you know, guys like that. So hopefully that means that we're actually going to get a main event. Like an actual good, I don't know, 12, 17 minute match or whatever the fuck it is with Brock actually working and stuff and, you know, a chance for it to be good. Yeah, I think they'll have the work and she's on it for this one. It's uh is it uh where are they at? Are they in New York, Los Angeles? Which one are they in Toronto. this time? Toronto. No, that they're in Toronto, that's right, up north. So they will have the Bizarro World crowd there, so who knows what they'll think of the whole situation. Oh yeah, I can't wait to hear Bizarro World uttered like twenty <laughs> times during the show. As I try to think who are the big Canadians they get well, there's Jinder Mahal. They can always put him over. Well, we got Natalia on the fucking main card. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Which God, is a great segue, because we're going to talk about yeah. the Raw women's match. Oh, woof, indeed. And uh, this is titled, Looking at Alexa Bliss Crying Over Negative Fan Reaction. And that match, if you guys didn't see Raw, and don't tell me I watched the Hulu version or whatever the fuck you're going to tell me, they had an elimination match, and the winner was moving on to SummerSlam to face Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. This match contained <laughs> Naomi, Carmella, Natalia, and Alexa Bliss. And with the exception of Alexa Bliss, who on that list has done a goddamn thing in the last six months? Nobody, which is also part of the whole problem here. Now, <laughs> if you guys didn't watch it, I will give a quick breakdown of what you can expect if you catch it. It was one-third chin locks. One third commercial breaks and one third dog shit wrestling and bad layout. <laughs> it went on for 25 minutes. It was Ugh. bad. It really was. So bad. And like, basically, they kept looking like they didn't know what to do. They kept working chin locks. Kept, you know, when you get lost, grab a hold, kid. Yep. Well, that's what they did. They were lost for 25 fucking minutes. You know what? Back in the day when they were in NXT and regularly had 25 minutes. They never, I I take that back. None of these girls ever wrestled 25 minutes in NXT. That never happened. But in NXT, when they have those long matches, they also have weeks and weeks and weeks to uh, practice in the performance center, right? Yeah. 
that's what they do. The Sarah Del Rey gets down with them. They work things out. They figure out what it's going to do. So by the time Takeover rolls around, they know what they're doing. They don't have to grab holes and then sit back and think about what we're doing. And that's they, these girls did not have that amount of time to get ready for this. Um, not sure. It's, I'm not sure if something got left off the show. Maybe they had something planned and it got canceled, so they had to fill time somehow. Because I can't imagine, like, on the first draft, this write-up, somebody thinking, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's give these four girls 25 minutes. Uh, that, that'll work out pretty good. Do you realize this, this match got more wrestling time than the entire episode of SmackDown did? <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> so, but yeah, this match, and people were like, well, you need to understand that there are agents that laid these things out. No fucking shit! Listen, I've been writing about this shit for over 15 years. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yes, that's what I mean when I said the layout was also fucking poor. Mm-hmm. But then, here's another thing. First of all, I'm all for the women getting more time, getting expanded match time, getting a chance to shine. I think it's fucking awesome. Steve and I have argued this point for years. Years and years. But the thing is, bad is bad. And when you have performers, male, female, dog, cat, whatever, that can go out there and work 25 minutes and have a great match, that's great. These women were not those women. And here's another thing why the crowd lost interest and chanted, this is awful and boring and John Cena sucks and let's go Cena and CM Punk (laughs) and all this shit. Maybe booking a match between four women who basically never fucking win, knowing that the winner's going to SummerSlam to face Becky Lynch was a really shitty idea as well. Yeah, the one girl that had done something the past six months, uh, just the previous night had lost a one-on-two handicap match. So maybe, <laughs> She was one of the two. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we should have put some thought into this. Uh, yeah, so bad layout, bad match concept, bad pick of who was involved. And all I know is this match aged me about 10 years, Steve. Uh, it just it, kept going. It wasn't too good. And then, uh, then, of course, later on, we once once we had the show ends, and once the workers see what people are thinking about, they got to go online, they got to complain about the people complaining. Yeah, Alexa Bliss, oh, it's disrespectful, and you know, it's fine to have a reaction, but not disrespect us. <laughs> well, you know what? It, you said it's fine to have a reaction. Their reaction was the fucking match was awful. There you have it. It's a quality, man. It's a quality. Well, I mean, what, what, did, that, what would be we more want that, disrespectful? Right? This is awful, or show us your tits. <laughs> right? At least they weren't chanting for puppies. They weren't saying she's a crack whore, you know, anything yeah. like that. No. I mean, they were just voicing an opinion that your match fucking sucked and the people that put it together should be fucking ashamed. Absolutely horrible. Yeah, just just so. a bad time all the way around. I mean, and, God, you know. And then we get, and now of all this, we're going to get an Italian title match at SummerSlam. So. Yeah, and that's the worst part. It goes 25 minutes for Natalia to get the pity win so that we can get her Wrestling in Toronto. Uh, yeah. I pass. Yeah, I'm Hard just, pass. I am not all about that at all, Steve. It's just not good, not good. But, I mean, listen, I mean, I, I understand Alexa Bliss getting upset. But, listen, I'm glad she has pride in her work. But maybe she should also step back and realize 
you know what? If they were chanting this is awful and chanting for CM Punk and John Cena and everybody else, maybe we did something wrong. And it's not like they're crapping over the rest of the show either. It wasn't like one of those crowds that was there just to boo everybody and try to get themselves over. Yeah, the crowd was into a lot of that show, so don't yeah, don't blame them. So that's a and it's a shame. I felt I honestly felt bad for the women because I like I'm sure they were trying. Yeah, but again, they were put in a position to fail. Exactly, that's the problem. And that's Jeremy and I've talked about that a lot lately. It's the reason like the takeover specials tend to succeed is because they really tend to put the right people, excuse me, in the right position and give them that chance to succeed. How often, I mean, I can't remember a time on a takeover someone's been put out there and looked out of their depth or just out of place or bad, you know? I mean, I think, like, I can't even think back to, like, the last thing I thought was bad on a takeover. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to stretch and think about that one, too. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult. There've been, I mean, there have been some spotty things here and there. Yeah, but nothing I would call outright bad. Right, right. Some matches that weren't quite my cup of tea. But, you know, they weren't, I wouldn't say they were bad either. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely a shame that, like you said, not put it in a position to succeed. And I do feel bad for them. But uh, at some point, you know, you have to take accountability for also, I mean, all we ever hear is Natalia is this great veteran. And she's a great worker. Wait a minute, who says this? Oh, God, I hear it all the time, Steve. Because uh, whenever I say it's just Natalia, people get offended. <laughs> you know what? It's like, here's the thing. If she was that good, she was in the match the whole time. Yep. Maybe, maybe she could have called an audible here or there and said, let's not do the 57th chin lock. And let's well, do that, something that would, else. That's something a veteran would think of, right? Yeah, so I mean, wouldn't a veteran know how to read the room and kind of figure out, hey, let's 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 try something else here. See, that's what I thought, but apparently not. And um, but everybody's gonna go, well, you're not allowed to do that. Yes, actually, it happens a lot. Don't trust me. But I yeah, you'll break a deal that or whatever. But hey, but listen, I mean, if that match is tanking that bad, and she does a couple things to alter it and it gets better, she's not gonna get in trouble. I'm surprised. I'm surprised somebody backstage and uh, put the kibosh on that thing. Yeah, you would have thought Vince was backstage going just like, kill God the lights. <laughs> what was that match that one time he came out with like Rhino and somebody and just like ended <laughs> the match? It's Rhino and Tajiri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where was like, that? It's like some house show, I think, or they're just having a bad match and and then of course, I mean, you want to go old school, go back to '92, that Savage Flair title match in Hershey. The fur when they went out there, it's going to be a title change to Flair, and the first take went so poorly that uh, yeah, Vince Vince ended it, <laughs> and then they went back out and did it later. But yeah, I mean, I just I wish somebody would have ended it because I mean, it just made all of them. Well, at least Carmella didn't look that bad because she got out pretty early. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, just... she was and, and glad of it. I'm sure. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was that. And again, I do feel bad, but like I said, you have to take some accountability at some point and just 
kind of stop being childish about it. It's just like not, not everything's great. Not all your matches are gonna be great. Not all of our columns are the best ever either. Yeah, you know? I mean, I like to think I do a good job, but I know every once in a while, man, there's a stinker some, out there, and it's oh just, yeah, I put I put some stuff out there that just is the shits, and I know it's the shits while I'm posting it, but yeah, <laughs> but you <laughs> do it anyway. sometimes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Brother gotta get paid, you know. <laughs> so. All right, so Steve, um, speaking of WWE, another thing, uh, is WWE playing a dangerous game by continually announcing things and not delivering? And what I'm talking about is, like, you had, how many times did they say, Brock's going to cash in and be on Raw tonight, and then he would be there and nothing would happen? And, which, I mean, that's money in the bank, but still, you're saying it ahead of time and trying to get people to tune in. The best was when Stephanie tried to declare that she, she's going to force Brock to cash in at a certain point, which kind of defeated the whole fucking purpose of the gimmick anyway. Exactly. And then you got Tuesday on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan was going to deliver an earth-shattering, career-changing announcement. And he just came out and said nothing and left. Which made me wonder, do they know what the announcement is? That was my first thought. <laughs> Like, do they know what the hell he's going to announce? <laughs> Are they going to figure it out at a later date? Yeah, but I mean, uh, I think you're, um, I think you're running the risk of ruining what brand loyalty you have left when you keep doing shit like this. Oh yeah, I mean, the the thing is, though, I mean, it is professional wrestling, and professional wrestling, I, I there, it's kind of known for the whole card subject to change thing. Where, you know, they, they announce a car, they announce something, they announce this, announce that. Uh, but, hey, things change. Stuff happens. And while I, I'm with you that it's annoying that we get these Brock Lesnar cash in things, and you would like somebody to make an announcement at a certain time. You'd like them to deliver matches that they announce uh, prior to a show. You'd like to, them to... Uh, and it's funny because I remember on some DVD sets, like the Ultimate Warrior one in specific, where uh, Vince was all pissed off at the Warrior because he no-showed some dates. And Vince is going on like, oh, the number one crime in pro wrestling is uh, is to false advertise. You know, and you just have to kind of laugh your ass off because Vince is kind of one of the kings of false advertising. But <laughs> it's, a tra- it's a long-standing wrestling tradition. It's one of those things I, I don't see going away. As long as and as long as the fans seem to put up with it, and I think we're at the point in the wrestling fan base where, especially WWE's fan base, where it's gonna be tough to scare away a lot of the people they have watching right now. I just feel like the type of people that would be scared away by something like this uh, have already moved on. That's likely a fair point because there is an argument out there to be made that the audience that is left is the hardcore audience. But um, it's just more annoying than anything because it's like, sure, it's essentially like, hey, guess what, guys? We're gonna give you something, and then three seconds later they turn around. And it's the middle finger. Fuck you. Yeah. Hey, Bray Wyatt's gonna be here tonight, and then yeah, he, well, not not this week. Later on. What do you think Down about Bray's big re-debut? <laughs> it, it, he has a mask. He has a mask. He's in better shape. I'll give him that. <laughs> He's lost some weight. It's so good for him on that point, but it uh, uh, doesn't feel like anything different to me other than that. I thought it came off well. I think the mask looks really fucking cool. The problem is, is he's going to wrestle soon. 
And no, and I don't mean that like is he's horrible, but it's like, have they made any actual changes? Or is, is he, he just going to go out there and wrestle the same bullshit. fucking yeah. ma- match in a mask and do the stupid fucking spider walk and all that shit? I mean, is it just going to be the same? Yeah, if it, if it's at least some him doing something completely different, which I mean, since the one move he did was his old finishing move, I don't have high hopes for that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. Uh, allegedly facing Finn Balor at SummerSlam. Well, I mean, they got to have the rematch from the time when they almost had the Demon versus Sister Abigail. Remember that? Yeah, we don't I need think, that. Yeah, yeah. Bray got sick, and I think it was God saying, we don't need that match. So. That's probably not a nice thing to say, is it? No, but it kind of felt that way. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, you had uh, we were messaging back and forth, and you had mentioned something about AEW that you wanted to talk about. Sure, I was watching the uh, the video they put out last night. Uh, the roads are all out since that's their next big event coming up, and uh, they've done this for the last couple of shows. They have it over on it's on Cody's uh, YouTube channel, not the not the Being the Lead channel. I mean, Cody has his own channel. Naturally, they do these things that are, are usually more serious, like a more serious build, uh, building up the shows and whatnot. And uh, w- one of the first things we had, you, you remember our good friend Tony Schiavone. He yeah. appears, he's doing, doing the all-out control center. Remember the control center segments back in the day? Oh, yeah. Where they'd, they'd, stand in like, they'd stand in front of the green screen, the green screen with some elaborate backdrop. It'd be the, the control center where you read off the... Read off the matches going down. You'd see interviews and whatnot. Good stuff. So Tony Schiavone, uh, I think it's pretty official. He's part of the AEW fold by now. Um, after that, you got good old Jim Ross there making air- doing an interview with Sean Spears. Uh, Spears explaining himself, uh, his actions against Cody. At the end of the at the end of the interview, you have an appearance by Sean Spears' uh, new manager, a man with a history with the Rhodes family, say the least, and with perfect tens as well. Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard making appearances. Uh, they didn't get tested, but they got Tully, so that's good. And I just kind of noticed. I was looking. I see Tony Schiavone. I see Jim Ross. I see Tully Blanchard. I see a. I see a lot of people from the good old days, days W. Uh, kind of Jim Crockett promotions kind of feel. And I'm, I'm not. And I'm curious, Larry, what you think about this? Um, does does bring in these older guys, the people that are familiar, people like you and me from back in the day. Does it make a difference? Does it make people more likely to watch All Elite Wrestling? We've talked in the past about when they said you went out of business. There were a lot of the old school Southern Wrestling fans that just kind of faded away. So, is having these guys on this uh, with All Elite Wrestling is is that going to be something that's enough to bring people back? I don't know if it's going to be like a big needle mover, but I will say that I don't think it's a bad idea. Because Tony Schiavone is was really good when he was doing MLW. Uh, you know, Jim Ross, I mean, you know, some people can take him or leave him on commentary, but like the interview setting stuff, Jim Ross is really good. Love Tully Blanchard, you know. So, I mean, I think that mixing some old school in with this new school promotion, because the one thing they're trying to really get is the not only a younger demographic, but they're also, like you said, they're trying to recapture that lapsed fan. And again, like we talked about, and you just said, you had a lot of the, 
you know, the fans that were, we just wanted our wrestling promotion. And they went away because there was no wrestling promotion and they weren't WWF fans. They were NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW fans to the end. They weren't going to watch that New York bullshit. That's right. So, I mean, I don't see the harm in it. I mean, as long as we're not, you know, we're not staffing the whole goddamn thing with, like, ex-WCW <laughs> personnel. And, you know, we're not running, like, angles with Kevin Sullivan and the Varsity Club coming back or anything. I mean, you know. Yeah, if no, David no, Crockett pops up next week, I think yeah. I have some issues. But, I mean, I, I don't see a problem with using Tony and Jim and bringing in Tully. I mean, sh- I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I, I haven't really heard a lot, but, like, if Tully can still talk, fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he can't. I just, I don't know because I haven't, like, heard Tully Blanchard cut a promo in years. Yeah, but he if, didn't do enough here to tell you one way or the other. He was just, he just kind of popped up at the end there. Yeah. But, yeah, man, if, if, if Tully can talk, I think that's great. I think if you can, if you find people like Tony Schiavone that are still interested and want to deliver and contribute. And obviously he wanted to, which is why he was doing MLW. You know, he, he kind of wanted, I think he wanted to come back and get some of that, that stank off of his reputation. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, and he, he, he's talked about it. He fully realizes that it near the end of WCW, he was checked out. He hated it. He didn't like being in charge of people. He didn't like do, having to do all that shit. And he was checked out, and he realizes that it was not good and that he got a bad reputation from it. So I think he wanted to come back and erase some of that, and I thought he did some really nice work in MLW. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think if if you have somebody that is still talented and wants to give back and do something and they're motivated to do it, yeah, use them. Yeah. I I think it's a good idea. I think it's a, and it's also nice... Uh... Nice connection with uh, Turner for uh, Turner Sports. I mean, remember those guys from TBS back in the day. So it's still a Turner Network thing. Uh, I'm sure a lot of these people backstage are gone by now, but it's it's a good connection to the old days of uh, Turner Wrestling. And uh, this all seems like, uh, I mean, I could be completely wrong. This, these all seem like Cody ideas to me. Not so much uh, the other guys like Kenny and Nick and Matt. Who I'm not sure any of these guys ever watched uh, WCW or Jim Crack Promotions or any of that stuff. No, I, I think you're right. It feels like a Cody or a, like a Cody slash Dustin idea for sure. Yeah. You know, it's it's looking to the old school stuff. And I, and again, I think that's, I, I again, I don't claim like the AEW guys to all be perfect or anything. But I think that that's one great balance that they have between like, like the Young Bucks, you know, and like the way that they want to do the tag division and stuff. And Kenny, how he wants to do like the women. And then you have Cody, you know, they all have like different ways they look at things. They all love it, but Cody will bring that more old school thing and that will balance out some of the stuff that the Young Bucks and Kenny probably want to do. And that's good. It'll give Jim Cornette less of an aneurysm. Yeah, but you need that balance. (laughs) Well, everything gives Jim Cornette a aneurysm these days, but I mean, it's it's Jim. What are you going to do? Yeah. Years of baconators. I'm excited. I, you know, it, it it made me pop. I was excited to see Tony Giovanni on there, and I thought Jared did a nice job with the interview. And anytime you see Tully Blanchard, it's it's a good time. Yeah, definitely. And I, again, I I don't think there's any harm in it, especially if you're trying to recapture that uh, the elusive lapsed fan as it was. So uh, Steve Cook, we got um we got some matches official for SummerSlam, and we got some matches extremely likely for SummerSlam. 
We already talked about Brock and Seth, and we both think that Brock is going to win and retain the title there. Yep. And uh, we talked about the build to it. We got Becky Lynch and Natalia in Toronto, Steve. <laughs> I have to imagine that Becky's going to win. I, I just have to because I'm, my mind can't really handle um, the other option. With all due respect to Natalia and her fans and all the people that still remember Bret Hart from back in the day, I just... Cannot see the man going out at the hands of uh, the cat. I cannot fathom this company. <laughs> well, uh, here's the thing. I can see them doing it because this company makes some really weird and stupid decisions. But I cannot fathom putting all that time into building Becky Lynch, having her beat Ronda Rousey, and having Natalia beat her. Yeah, it just it, it doesn't compute. I can't even believe they're giving Natalia the damn match. I mean, would you be shocked if somebody else entered the match and ended up being like a, some multi-woman thing? Honestly, I guess I'm, I'm not they, sure who else. I'm not sure who else it would be. They, they could shoehorn Alexa Bliss back in there. Jeez, you can always find a way to put Charlotte in a match, right? Yeah. <laughs> God knows we need more Charlotte. Well, sure. Why not? Charlotte's not in the other women's match here. Yeah, so, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, Becky retains. She should retain. But, uh, that would just, oh, that would be such a bad idea. But you got the cheap pop from the local Torontonians, the Can- uh, Canuckians. I guess. But then again, would they, would they even support Natalia over, over the man? I don't, I don't think so. I think Becky would, uh, Becky seems like their cup of tea up there. And the third match that is official for right now, SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey will defend against Ember Moon, Steve. Yeah, we saw um, Tuesday night on SmackDown, Ember Moon needed a partner against uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Fire and Desire, Damn right. like to call them. They needed, she needed a partner, uh, not just any partner, not just a friend, but everybody's best friend, Bailey came out and was, was Ember's partner in the match. And uh, they did well enough there, and... Uh, now they're gonna be facing off. It's at the SummerSlam. Uh, you got you gotta say Ember is Ember's Ember deserves this. I mean, she's been up there for a while. Hadn't been given a lot to do other than get bullied, and she gets a little shine here and there, but not. You know, I think it's about time that she got a chance like this to show we can, what she can do on the main stage. And I think Bailey will be excited about. It. You know, all Bailey just wants to do is wrestle. She wants to wrestle everybody. She's she's excited about being women's champion. She'd like to go out there with anybody and tear the house down. So I think there's some potential for these two that have a pretty solid match. I don't know if they'll go 24 minutes or not, but I I think it'll be a little bit better better than people might be expecting. Yeah, I actually like this one a lot. Um, Ember is one of the women who got... It was really a victim of the Ronda Rousey era and the fact that they were pushing Ronda... There was going to be nobody else above Ronda until it was time to beat her. And so you had really talented people like Ember Moon and Ruby Riot just kind of spinning their wheels. Yeah. And doing nothing. And, you know, so that was kind of a shame. And, like, you saw, like, people were going to say, like, well, I don't think Ember's that over. You go back to Evolution last year in that Battle Royal. That crowd wanted her to win so bad. So there's been times where she has been over and had support. When they give her a chance, she usually does. Exactly, but that's the thing. You have to give her that chance and that opportunity. And, I, yeah, I think she'll step up here. And like you said, Bailey just wants to wrestle and have good matches. She doesn't care about a bunch of bullshit and stuff. And, 
that's all she wants to do. So I think this will be good. This is kind of like a Shimmer reunion special here. So There you go. But, uh, yeah, I expect this one to be a good match. Probably one of the better women's matches on pay-per-view in a while because the last couple of months haven't been that good. No, they haven't. And I, I do think Bailey and Ember will be will be properly motivated to go out there and steal it. Well, especially Ember, man, because she's mm-hmm. she's getting on SummerSlam. Yep. And, yeah, Christ, she's had trouble getting on Raw and SmackDown at the time. So it's like, yeah, she's going to be fucking amped up. And you know Bailey will be into it, so yeah. Uh, so the next three matches we have here are likely matches that have been all teased already on TV. Looks like we're to get WWE champion Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton, Steve. Well, I mean, it's it's good for Kofi to finally move on to a different challenger. I think we all we can all kind of agree on that. The Dolph Ziggler stuff got worn out. Samoa Joe came up for his cup of coffee, and that was what that was. I tend to groan when Randy Orton is involved in the WWE title picture because it just happens all the time. And I can't remember the last time that I particularly cared about Randy Orton all that much. But there's a good story here. I mean, they have history going back to the last time they tried to give Kofi that big push. And Randy kind of put the kibosh on that. And uh, they've they've hinted that in the past. They've had their interactions uh, in between. So uh, there's a lot of history here with these two guys. And there's definitely going to be a lot of people out there. Uh, I think Randy Orton might even be considered the favorite in a lot of people's eyes because when Orton's in, in these big matches, he typically is the favorite. And I think a lot of folks are waiting for Kofi to lose the title here at some point, and it just might be here at SummerSlam. And Orton's definitely won championships at SummerSlam before, so it's one of those matches I could see going either way. And I think it's another one that could kind of surprise some people and be a pretty darn good wrestling match. You know, I, I don't like to sound like a downer and people get upset with me when I say this, but I find it very, very difficult to care about Randy Orton in 2019. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree with you on that point. I just, he comes on, I mean, dude gets a great reaction. People still love him. Not not going to take that away from him. And promos aren't horrible. But then he just, he gets in the ring and it's, Time kind of stands still, and this is where people complain that you just don't like Randy because he doesn't do moves with a Z, and he doesn't do Tope Con Heroes. It's like, <laughs> no, it's just like, I'd like the dude to look like he's actually putting some effort in sometimes. Listen, I appreciate a good crisp headlock as much as the next guy. We all do, don't we? Yeah, and I like, I like when Randy Orton stomps the shit out of people, and I like when you know, the little suplexes on the announce table when he like kills the Singh brothers and stuff. And, yeah, you know there's there's good stuff. It's not I'm not saying Randy Orton is bad. I'm just saying that there's he's at a point in his career that I just find it extremely extremely difficult to care about him and get into his matches. And I really can't remember the last time he had a great wrestling match. Now here's a question. We agree that Randy Orton is very popular amongst uh, wrestling fans. Yeah. People that love people that love pro wrestling, people love to go out to the matches. They like them some Randy Orton. Has Randy Orton ever drawn in that uh, that that casual that not that not quite as often audience? Has he ever really appealed to that crowd? I it doesn't feel like to me that he he ever really has. He's very popular with uh, the heart with the regular fans, may not the smarky smart fans like us, but Certainly the fans that watch every single week. I, I don't think he's connected to that larger fan base, though. I, I don't think so. But, I mean, again, you 
I don't think WWE really cares about that with him because he goes out there and he gets a, oh, the fans love him. He got a big pop and they like the RKO. And I think that's all they really look at. Plus, it's not like, I don't think they really look into it too much as well because he's not around much. No, he's 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 a part timer these days, which I think helps him quite honestly. Because oh, it does. Randy Orton can make his comeback and then he can get the big pop. Because hey, we haven't seen him in a while. If he's around every week and every segment, we don't like him as much. No, I I think it's great that again. This is Steve. We've talked about variations on this for years about cycling talent in and out, mm-hmm. and it's like they've kind of been doing it on SmackDown. Like Ali was off TV forever, and then they started doing video packages, and then he appeared backstage this week. Randy Orton was gone since, like, uh, Saudi Mania 3, and now he's back. So, yeah, I mean, no, it's fine. I have no problem with cycling guys in and out. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. Just Randy Orton doesn't really do much for me in terms of entertaining wrestling matches. I don't think his matches are bad. I just find a lot of them kind of bland. Yeah, I, they're I, I very, very samey. That, and I don't, and I'm all for storytelling, but he's not, like, really telling me or taking me on a journey, you know? It's... The reason I question his popularity with the casual fan base is I was wondering, uh, considering the SmackDown moving over to Fox, would Randy Orton be the kind of guy that Fox executives might be like, hey, we want that guy on top of the show? Well, I can't speak for Fox executives. It's possible. Who knows? Yeah. And if somebody's paying you a billion dollars, they may make the change. What has Eric Bischoff said about Randy Orton on his uh, award-winning podcast? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just a horrible Eric Bischoff hater that doesn't take into account his side of the story. Well, yes. well somebody has to, by God. No, I just watched his entire WCW run and then the horrible TNA run, so I think I know what I'm talking about. Well, well, speaking of people in the middle of horrible runs, we got uh, Shane McMahon next match. That's right. Shane McMahon <laughs> and Kevin Owens are on a collision course. Uh, Kevin Owens is uh, just, he's the big anti-hero right now. He's stunning Shane McMahon left and right, whether Shane McMahon wants to take it properly or not. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> he definitely inherited that from Vince. I mean, Jesus. I got to tell you, I mean, but I think part of, that, part of that's got to be, I think Owens got to snug it up a little bit, you know? He's going to have to grab these guys a little bit harder, even if freaking frickin' Ziggler already slipped out of it, too. I don't know, man. Something's going wonky there, though, in a bad well, way. Well, Shane's kind of wonky in general. I, I'll give you that. It's It's been a bad time. And we talked about Owen's uh, odd booking on, on, on the last podcast, where they brought him back as the lovable family man babyface there for about, what, two weeks, I think it lasted? About yeah. two weeks before we turned heel on Kofi Kingston and and uh, got his title shot and uh, did, uh, did some random stuff with Sami Zayn afterwards. And now he's back to being the, uh, the anti-hero that we're uh, supposed to like. Which, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm a fan of Kevin's. I like his work, and I've, I've always uh, appreciated him for going back to Ring of Honor days. But uh, it's still kind of been kind of sketchy here lately it has been i'll tell you what has been annoying though is just like oh the people getting so upset about him like being the big baby face now because it's yeah he's doing the stunner and then like 
he posted like on Twitter after SmackDown. He's like, stunned Shane McMahon twice and escaped the building running away from 17 dudes. And people are like, Stone Cold didn't run away. <laughs> like, Stone Cold wouldn't have tweeted about running away. It's like, well, they were on fucking Twitter in 1997, asshole. Oh, could you imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin in character on Twitter back then? Oh, that would have been great. But it's just like, <laughs> it's like, what do you want, though? It's like, you, you wanted Kevin Owens to be used better. You don't like Shane McMahon. You want Kevin Owens to get over big. You want the crowd popping for him. He got over on Shane McMahon. The crowd popped big for him. He's hitting stunners on people and he ran away. So he didn't get his ass beat like a geek. Yeah. What nice is he, change of pace there, actually. Is he supposed to stand there after he stuns him and goes, all right, guys, go ahead and kick my ass, please? <laughs> I think that's what some people would like, apparently. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. And people, uh, the other thing was like, everybody complained that Ziggler wasn't getting a main event push, and then he got one, and everybody turned on him. No, hey, man, no, who no. Was, Hang who on. was complaining about that? People, if you would have been listening and reading and paying attention, people like myself have been asking for Dolph Ziggler to go away for a long time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go away, get refreshed, and then come back. But unfortunately, he came back as the same fucking guy. Yep. Doing the same match and the same moves, and he got boring again really fast. Nothing different at all except for uh, continually yelling about how it should have been me. Oh, Jesus. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that's different. The thing Which, with I mean, him and too and is I, like, I will say that I, I was asking for Ziggler to go away, and I could have lived without the game refresh and coming back. Yeah, honestly, especially <laughs> after this. But, like, and the thing, too, is, is like, you listen to him, and people always like, oh, he's just in character on Twitter. No, it's like, I really believe this motherfucker believes what he's saying sometimes. Like, I'm the, I'm the best in the company, and I steal the show every night. And I'm like, I'm like, you stole money out of the fans' pockets by doing the same bullshit you've been doing forever. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, Ernie Ladd would say, you're stealing money. <laughs> and then they're going to go back and try to re- recreate the last time he was interesting and feud him with The Miz. Oh, poor Miz. Who'd he piss off? I know. Somebody get that, that poor boy a back brace. That poor guy got jobbed out to Shane McMahon time and time again. Now he's been reduced to feeding with Dolph Ziggler again. Oh, yeah. And where are all the people that when I complained about the Miz-Shane McMahon feud and booking that told me, don't worry, Larry, it's going to be okay. Miz is going to get his win back and go over on Shane in the end. Uh. <laughs> um, No. He's looked like a fucking geek since Mania. <laughs> it's a shame that every time the Miz becomes a Bayface, they have to make him a damn geek. It is. It's. I. I feel bad for him, but you know what? He's. He's probably happy making a shit ton of money, and yeah. he always wanted to be in WWE, and he has a TV show with his wife. And if dude's happy, dude's happy. That's great. I just think it's shit booking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we're we not feeling bad for him on a personal level. Any man that's married to Maurice, I cannot feel bad for on a personal level. It's just I'm, I'm, I feel bad for me watching it, watching yeah. the show. So hopefully that doesn't get added to SummerSlam. I don't need to see that again because... Uh, SummerSlam pre-share, man. Hey, we already have the Cruiserweight title match on there and probably right. the tag he's, matches. He's so. like the rest of this month. That's right. Oni Lorcan, book it, brother. There we go. All right, I'm done with it. Give me Biff Busick and Drew Gulak again, man. Sure. Another Evolve special. 
That was Biff also in the catch point. I, I kind of lost track of who, who all was I don't was think he was in that. catch point, but it was uh, definitely evolved, you know, so. <laughs> but um, speaking of that smooth segue and evolve, Steve Cook. Yeah. Uh, did you have a chance to finally catch some of the Evolve 131 special on the world-famous WWE Network? I did. I caught the Evolve special, the 10th anniversary special this morning. And I think it's I think it's only appropriate we take a look over it because I was looking at 411 for the I was looking for like notes and results and things like that. So like I clicked on the recap and I scrolled down to the comments. I saw people wondering like where were where were the different re- reviews on the show, which I mean it kind of fell fell through the cracks because there's a lot of stuff to write about over the weekend. So I think it's good for those folks that we're going to take a look at the show via podcast right now. That's right. Uh, we started off with uh, Josh Briggs defeating Anthony Green uh, with the M6. Uh, what did you think of Mr. Briggs here? Mr. Briggs looked like uh, they mentioned he had been going through some kind of and he's come back from some kind of injury, I think, right? He dislocated his hip in a match with A.R. Fox. Because he had some kind of tape on his leg, and they had some weird-ass shoulder tape going, too. I don't know what that was. that some kind of injury as well? Yeah, he's just... had that for, like, ever. That's just like a shoulder okay. brace thing at this point. I gotta tell you, that's the thing I was thinking about Briggs because I—they mentioned his football history. They mentioned, and you can see how big the guy is. He's got the hair. He's got the look. You could see where the WWE officials might see something in him. But then again, he's got all these injuries already. So, unfortunately, I don't know if the future is going to be now for uh, this. Is basically, a futures now showcase match here. And I thought this is this is some well worked stuff. I thought Brandy Lauren did some good stuff at ringside, getting some heat there. Um, Anthony Green looked pretty good. And uh, Briggs seems to be the guy that they're going to be building around from what we saw later in the show as well. So pretty good stuff here. Good way to get the show kicked off, uh, putting over the guy that you're putting a lot into. Yeah, I like Josh Briggs a lot. He, he got slowed down a little with that hip injury. He was really building some good momentum at Evolve at that time and having a lot of really good matches. And uh, But, yeah, hopefully everything is going to be okay and kind of back on track for him now. I thought this was a good opener. Uh, next up was uh, Stephen Wolf defeating Kurt Stallion, Harlem Bravado, and Sean Maluta. Uh, Wolf hit a 450 on Harlem Bravado to score the pin. I uh, thought this was pretty good. Didn't like it quite as much as the opener, but I thought it was pretty good. And uh, I thought everybody got a sufficient amount of time to get some shine in here. It was a four-way scramble match, pretty much. You know, spot, 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 which is fine, especially in, the, in early in one of these shows. I kept uh, thinking that the guy's name was Steppenwolf, so I was a little, little confused there. <laughs> I was also going to ask you, uh, we see Harlan Bravado there. Whatever happened to Lancelot Bravado? Lancelot, I think, is in, like, state government in North Carolina now. Oh, okay, so he got himself a real job. Yeah, he has a shoot job now. Okay, so Harlan has to provide for Grandma on his own. That's right. Those okay. sweaters don't buy himself, Steve. They were telling the story how, I guess, uh, Stephen Wolf here had been at, at, at a tryout a couple months ago, and that's where the, the Evolve officials took notice of him. I guess he hadn't been around too much prior to this, so good way to get the guy on the map. Yeah, and uh, so again, yeah, good stuff. And um, yeah, like, I didn't like it, like I said, didn't like it quite as much as the opener, but I, I thought it was a good little scramble match. And again, it's uh, like Steve said, early in the card, kind of keep things moving. Uh, I think things picked up really well here in the uh, next match with those Arturo Ruas defeating Anthony Henry. Um, Ruas is the former Adrian Jouand 
uh, when they changed his name in NXT. And he's the uh, Brazilian dude. He's about 36, 37. Uh, does a bunch of jiu-jitsu, cupperware, and stuff like that. Had a good match with uh, Matt Riddle on last night's NXT. Um, they worked a very MMA simulated style match, which was cool. And, uh, he, he defeated Anthony Henry here, who is one of the, uh, more, uh, upper name guys in Evolve right now. And I thought uh, it was really good. Yeah. It looked like they were pushing Henry from the video they had prior to the match. And I haven't seen a whole lot of Anthony Henry, but I got to tell you, to me, he kind of looked like a second rate Sterling James Keenum in the look. I can see that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Sterling James looked like CM Punk, and Anthony Henry looks like Sterling James Keenum. So we're kind of going down there. But uh, this is an interesting match to me. I didn't. Uh, I don't think I liked it as much as a lot of people did. I did like the change of pace and the style. That This is stylistically a lot different from what we saw in the first two matches. I don't know how much... Uh, does Ross have some MMA, MMA experience back in his past? I'm sorry, what? Does, does Ross there have some MMA experience? Uh, he has a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background and stuff. Okay, because it looked he, like he had some experience in that. Yeah, he might have done like some amateur MMA or something, but I mean, he uh, his match with Matt Riddle on NXT was really cool because it was like a simulated MMA fight. Yeah, but it looked he like Henry's a little bit. In, it looked like Henry's a little bit in over his head on that on that particular exchange there. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, but a good win for uh, who else? You said he's thirty six, thirty seven. So I guess there's not a lot of time for him to get going. But then again, maybe there is. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of the only thing with him is like there is uh, potential, honestly. Um, but you know, you got to do something with him soon. It's kind of the uh, the Shayna Baszler problem. Yeah, where she's already what thirty eight, thirty nine. Uh, yeah, she's like between thirty seven, thirty nine. She's up there, but I mean, and again, too, it's like I'm not trying to like downgrade anything with Shayna Baszler, but. There is also a lot of mileage on her with her MMA run and everything. So it's like, if you're going to do something, you kind of got to do it soon. Now, I noticed that the next match here had a couple of, uh, a couple of ladies who don't have a ton of, uh, ton of years on them. I think, I think they said both these girls were, were 22, I think is what Lenny Leonard said. Something like that, yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're young. young. Brandy Lauren and Shotzi Blackheart and their disqualification match. And Larry, I'll tell you the first thing I really liked about this match. Uh, you remember last last time we were talking is about one of those no holds barred matches with uh, Roman Reigns, The Undertaker, Shane, and Drew. And we both noted how like, we we're wondering like why did they wait till like towards the end of the match to have Elias come out? Like if it's gonna be no holds barred or no DQ or whatever, why not bring out your guy right away? And try to just you know go for it from 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 Jump Street. And sure enough, here Brandy Lauren was smart enough to have uh, I don't even know what the girl's name was on uh, the Rush, Russian girl. Do you do you know her name? Uh, I think it's uh, Natalia Markova. Yeah, Natalia. yeah, something. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, she just had brought her out right away and had her go against Shotzi. Just like, hey, you know, you won their disqualification. Here you go. So I like that. And uh, these two definitely went. They went all out. Uh, Shotzi did this crazy dive into a, a whole row of chairs which is kind of ridiculous but in a good way um she got busted open early in the match as well i think one of his one of the shots the russian was throwing hit her <laughs> hit her pretty hard so yeah definitely a lot of a lot of heart there from shots yeah i was I, i've been impressed with her for a little while and i thought she had good showing here and i did not know much about brandy lauren but from what i saw here i like that as well so two girls here with a lot of potential in my eyes yeah, ROH and Impact both uh, used Brandy Lauren under different names. And, um, 
Like, I think she was actually signed to Impact at one point, and then just they didn't use her and let her go. Mm. And Shotzi's done a lot of Rise and Shimmer, and she had a, a match or two with Impact, but they didn't bring her in. So uh, they've gotten looks, and Brandi Lauren's done some enhancement work for NXT. Uh. So they've definitely gotten looks, but yeah, a lot of potential with both of them, like you said. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought they made good use of the stipulation, and it was... Uh, surprisingly hard hitting in a lot of ways for a, uh, a women's match, which you don't always get. Yeah. yeah um, they're going all out. It's good stuff. Yeah, some brutal kendo stick shots down the yep. stretch there. So, and like you said too, I, I also liked it. Um, yeah, I mean, she's just, Brandy Lauren just brings out her heater and she's like, kill this chick for me. You know, it's like, we're not waiting. That's right. So, and again, that's, that's the way to do it though. Don't fuck around with it. Don't tease it. But, uh, yeah, good match. Like I said, good use of the stipulation. Good work by both. A uh, lot of lot of effort by Shotzi Blackheart. Taking a lot of punishment. So yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, good deal there. I'm I, I, I like I like that Shotzi. She's good. Yeah. Next up was uh, NXT's Babatunde defeating Colby Carino. First of all, isn't, oh, it, wow. isn't, isn't it crazy how <laughs> like young Colby looks like young Steve Carino? Pretty much. Like pretty in the much. ECW I mean, arena, too. Yeah, in the ECW arena. Now, yeah, it pretty much looked like Steve Carino out there getting his ass whipped by this big old Baba Tunde guy. And yeah. that's what it was. It was a flat-out ass whooping. Yes, it was a, a big old squash to set up Eddie Kingston running down Baba Tunde for getting opportunity the wrong way and that he and Joe Gacy and the Unwanted had all um, gotten their chances the right way and worked hard and after they'd been ignored and all that shit. So, uh, unfortunately, Eddie Kingston didn't go crazy and shoot on the WWE Network, which I think everybody <laughs> wanted. Oh, wasn't it so crazy seeing Eddie Kingston cutting promos on the WWE Network? I, I was I was so happy to see that. Yeah, if anybody it, deserves it, yeah, that guy. Definitely. It, it is wild seeing, like, freaking just Eddie Kingston on the WWE Network, but that was very cool. So that led to our tag team title match, which was the unwanted of Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy as champions, losing to A.R. Fox and Leon Ruff uh, for the Evolved Tag Team Championships. Leon Ruff is one of A.R. Fox's students, Steve, and uh, part of a group called The Skulk, which are uh, just A.R. Fox's students that like to come to the ring and dance around, and they got extremely over in Evolve really fast. And then they started getting matches and were really good. Yeah, I mean, you would expect that from A.R. Fox. And uh, I know he, he uh, Fox also, I know from the wrestler show, they trained the Austin Theory guy from later, yeah. who appears later in the show. So, obviously, a guy knows what he's doing when it comes to training these guys. Not that I've seen any of these other Skulk guys in other places. I'm, I'm, sure they'll be pop, I'm sure they'll be popping up here and there as time goes forward. And interesting to see Kingston and Gase together as a, as a tag team. I don't know if it's a similar uh, train regimen they have possibly. Is that what that is that where they got their connection there? They're unwanted, Steve. That's all you need uh, to know. They're unwanted. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a fair point. But uh, those are the this is uh, relaxed rules, so they got to pretty much you know use anything that wasn't nailed down. Pretty much what happened there, going all over the place, going through tables and stuff. Good times. Yeah, it was I, th- fun. I thought it was really good. Uh, the finish saw AR Fox with the 450 splash to Kingston. Uh, and uh, Leon Ruff put Gacy through a table on the floor. I thought it was really good. Uh, definitely needed tag title change, especially the Fox and Ruff who are over. And yeah. they're, plus, they're a really good tag team. 
Yeah, and it's only a matter of time before Kingston gets kicked out anyway. <laughs> Very <laughs> likely. Be, let's be honest. <laughs> so next up, Steve Cook is uh, what I think was the match of the evening. Yes, We had agreed. Matt Riddle defeating the good Reverend Drew Gulak, who is in 100% Reverend Drew Gulak catch point form <laughs> with the robe and everything, the flowing robe. It was awesome. Uh, they just had an absolutely great match. They... These guys worked a lot together and Evolve. Uh, they were part of the Catchpoint stable. And just um, Drew, Drew Gulak, you can see, was thrilled to be back working an Evolve show. Yeah. Because he, he was a, just definitely. able to do his thing. Matt Riddle thrilled to be there. Just a good time. Good, a good reunion. We saw these guys go ahead in NXT not too long ago, and is is some more good stuff as you would expect when these two guys get together. Um, and the story of the the story of it seems to be, and I don't know if they'll keep it going once they both wind up in, because you know Riddle's going to be up there at some point. But the, uh, if that's to be the story going forward, that whatever happens, Drew Gulak cannot beat this man. Is that what the the build's going to be like? If whatever happens, Drew Gulak cannot beat him, and then finally, eventually, someday down the road, he finally beats him. I mean, that's what it feels like. But, um, yeah, no, this was a really great... It was exactly the kind of style you would expect between submission and hard-hitting stuff. And um, Gulak was going for the Gulak at the end, but uh, Matt Riddle countered into the bro Derek for the win. Yeah. I'm big on Gulak. Gulak's having a heck of a year. Yeah, no, he really is. Drew is great. I, I love Drew a lot. He's so good. Uh, Matt Riddle is awesome. And yeah, Riddle is gonna um, Riddle's gonna make it big as long as he as long as he kind of stays out of his own way. And I think you know I'm, what I'm saying by that because he kind of has a tendency of taking this big, uh, big uh, unshoe covered foot and kind of sticking his mouth from time to time. Well, yeah, but how many people in wrestling history can we say that about? Uh, a lot, a <laughs> lot. And usually they have shoes on there, so it's a little bit different. That's true. But um, it's like we, it's kind of funny you talk about people that get themselves in trouble. It's like I don't know what kind of like voodoo he's weaving, but like Court Bauer and MLW is like the asshole whisperer. He, <laughs> he brought in Low Key and he's made it work. He brought in Teddy Hart, he's made it work. He brought in L.A. Park, he's made it work. He brought back Austin Aries and he's making it work. It's like yeah, there's what? one exception. <laughs> What's that? Sammy Callahan. <laughs> Well, no, it was that wasn't he made Sammy work? Is this Sammy left because of Impact? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's just like Court Bauer is like serving some good Kool Aid or something down there in MLW, man. Well, Teddy Hart's still there, right? Yeah, yeah, crazy, so crazy stuff. But, yeah. but I guess it's kind of unfortunately, I think it's to the point for Court Bauer where that's kind of what he has to do because. I mean, AEW's uh, taking people up. WWE's still signing everybody. So they're, they're kind of left with, with, with what's left. The unwanted, I guess you could say. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah. Anyway, Riddle, Gulak, absolutely great match. I thought it was the best match on the show. I I, I agree with you. I would go with that. And uh, I, I'd, put the, I'd put the ladies second, my, myself, my opinion. Fair enough. Uh, next up was Evolve Champion Austin Theory versus WWN Champion J.D. Drake. This was the winner-takes-all match for both titles. And um, I thought they had a really great match. I've been very hot and cold on Austin Theory during his run. Obviously, great look, a lot of potential. 
but at times he really felt like one of the uh, early 2000s WWE Randy Orton clone creator wrestlers. And he just, he felt really, really bland. And then every once in a while, he'd like pop up and have like a great match. And then he'd kind of go back and he'd have some good matches. And then like, he was just kind of there. And then he'd have a great match. And then he'd go back and do it again. But he, um, he got some progress bookings. He worked some CMLL. He's been working more. He's been growing. He's been getting a lot better. A lot more confident, which has also helped. And uh, really starting to put things together here. Definitely somebody I can see WWE signing soon. But uh, he yeah. uh, defeated J.D. Drake, who is not a sculpted 2000s WWE creator wrestler. He does not look like somebody that they would be particularly interested in, but you never know. Yeah, J.D. Drake is a uh, the blue-collar badass, and he is not in a... He's not normal WWE cosmetically pleasing wrestler. You know, he's a... J.D. Drake is a dude that looks like you would go out and watch football and drink beers with, and if you got into a fight, he'd be a great friend to have with you. He'd beat the you shit You might put him in heavy machinery with uh, Otis and Tucker. There you go. That might be where you'd fit in with, the, with those kind of guys. But uh, but the thing is, <laughs> say whatever you will about Drake's physique and whatnot, J.D. Drake is a really great wrestler. Been doing it for a long time. He's had a ton of great matches here in Evolve. Had another one here putting over Austin Theory. and uh, Yeah, Austin Theory is, uh, you know, many of us saw it coming a long time ago. He's what Evolve is building around right now. But uh, Steve Cook, his... Uh, his path has a roadblock in it. It does, it does, because uh, right after the match ended, which I thought was uh, was perfectly solid, I didn't think it uh, it didn't really hit that that upper echelon, that crazy kind of indie style for me. I mean, it was it was fine, it was fine. It wasn't uh, wasn't great. I would say. What, say what did the, you think of Austin Theory stunner? So, I thought I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was pretty solid theory i've not seen as much of him as you have i did see him on that wrestler show and he comes off like the kind of guy there that could be a big thing in this business when he stays he's getting there he, they're, they're making the right move i think putting the title on him and trying to build around him but like you said um after the match he's doing his little promo uh, he he stomps on the wwn title belt like he's shane douglas back in 1994 so i guess they had that going for them then the lights go out. You know, anytime the lights go out in the East W Arena, there's there's bad times ahead. I, I was hoping for Sabu. I was hoping it was going to be Sabu. It was not Sabu. It was Josh Briggs, of all people. And Josh Briggs acts like he's 911 while we're making his references. Gives him a big choke slam. And, uh, you know, I am i don't think the people quite popped for this like they were hoping. No. I, it, it, it got a reaction. <laughs> a little bit of a reaction. I mean, there was a little Josh Briggs chance. He kind of got a polite applause, but I don't think it, it didn't get the there. I'm sure they're hoping for a big pop, especially when you turn the lights down, you bring out a guy that way, you expect that to go over huge. And uh, quite frankly, it, it did not. It kind of felt like the, um, the Adam page attack on Jericho at the AEW show when like Jericho just runs him down and shits all over him. And then Adam page finally comes out to get some revenge. And it's like, yay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I was I, I was I was disappointed for Briggs because I was like I was like that fucking sucks. I'm like, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, it, didn't, it wasn't that star making moment that they were probably hoping for when they booked this, and then they they kicked it right into a Josh Briggs build up video too. 
I know. <laughs> Which makes you ran that earlier. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed a little oddly out of place. So, anyway, the main event of the show was Adam Cole, baby, defeating baby. Ak- Akira Tozawa to retain the NXT Championship. Your thoughts? Um, it, I don't. It, to me, it didn't quite feel like it got to that next level. You know, when you maybe I have a high expectation because I when I see these NXT Championship matches on these takeovers and these type of events, we're seeing like balls out, 15 stars kind of wrestling, people kicking out 15,000 15, things, just everybody going nuts. Like those last Cole and Gargano matches, just everybody going nuts. And uh, I don't think these guys quite did that on, on this particular evening. I mean, I mean uh, they, I'm sure they were happy to be there, happy to be back with Evolve for one night only. But I don't think we quite, we quite got the, uh, the kind of effort that we were hoping for. Yeah, it definitely wasn't like an NXT TakeOver level um, world title match. Uh, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. I thought both guys worked hard. But yeah, it wasn't, it never, it never got crazy. And I think that that's fine because I think that you were, you know, Riddle and Gulak was really great. And I don't think that they wanted too many things to overshadow Austin Theory's win. Yeah, so I think it made sense, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair assessment. It wasn't like I wasn't completely wowed by it. I just thought it was like a really good professional wrestling match between two guys that I think are really good. And yeah, it it was good, but not like a match of year candidate or anything like that. That we're we're accustomed to seeing that slot. And also, I do think the fact that uh, I don't think anybody in the world thought the NXT title was changing hands on this evening. Yeah, and that, that's that's also kind of a problem. Like you can tell, everybody enjoyed the match, but weren't exactly into the Akira Tozawa near falls, and that's just yeah, nobody nobody's <laughs> buying on that. Yeah, it's kind of like when um, Travis Banks was wrestling Walter for the NXT UK title at Download Fest. Mm. It's like no disrespect to the Download <laughs> Fest fans, like they were into the show and everything, but nobody there thought they were seeing an NXT UK title change at Download Fest. No, wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen here either. We did get an appearance from uh, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, Johnny Gargano. He got to come down and uh, got to do the big post-match promo as well. Yeah. Which I know that back in the day, back when Evolve started, it was all about the show-closing Johnny Gargano championship promos. Yeah, so that was... Yeah, you kind of have to go back to that. Yeah, that was, a, that was a nice little way to close the show. And uh, I thought Evolve uh, 131 was a really, really great show. Um, I think you could easily argue that it was the best show of the weekend over the AEW and Extreme Rules show. I wouldn't argue anybody over that. I thought it was a really strong effort. I thought it looked really good on the network. And, you know, I mean, there's an argument to be made that, I mean, there's already the loose affiliation. There's an argument to be made that if I'm WWE, I mean, you know, you might pump a little money into Evolve and, like, actually, like, buy into it. Well, I don't know how much... Uh, well, we know Triple H is all about it. And we know William Regal's there on a pretty regular basis. I don't know if they're already uh, doing that sort of thing. They did, they had some pyro, man. Yeah. But, I mean... And we forgot to mention Paul Heyman. Well, I guess, you know, Paul Heyman was there. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he did I the mean, ring you know, announcing for the title versus title match. Which yeah, was, yeah, the Philadelphia fans liked it, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, no, I mean, from WWE, I mean, they're they're already sending NXT talent there to work. Yep. They travel around. You have a ton of talent in NXT who don't make TV, who are stuck on the Florida loop. Let them go and work 
I mean, if you take it, see, the thing is, is I don't think they're going to send a ton of people. They're going to send certain talent. Maybe but a like, certain number at a time, yeah. Yeah, but, like, if you're actually, like, in control of it and bought into it, then you can sit there and you can send people to different places, get them that working experience. Because, like, I think it did a world of good for the Street Profits. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, they got their Evolve run. They got the championships there for a little bit, and... Then after they did that, they pop back up on NXT and they're riding the title picture, and now they're on the uh, they're on main TV, just kind of hanging out and catering. Yeah. So um. Yeah, but I mean, I really enjoyed the Evolve show. Uh, I think if you guys uh, have some time, I would definitely make some time to check it out. If you haven't watched a lot of Evolve before, uh, give you a little taste of what it's like. You'll see some new names. And um, I think that you know that is the one thing of all, like uh, Gabe said, and like when people were asking him why he, uh, you know, because there was always the loose working relationship, and then they kind of made it more official with uh, NXT stars being able to actually appear on their eye pay per views, and that is the one thing that's helped their ticket sales because they can offer something that sure. the other indies can't. They can say, you know, we have you know the Velveteen Dream coming in and. Yep. Various guys, because like the Velveteen Dream did, did some really good work there too, and I think that that again helped him as well. Yeah, they they were mentioning that Red will be on the on the next evening show, the 132 show against. Uh, he fought Kurt Stallion on that, I believe. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Um, that's a big opportunity for Kurt Stallion there. But uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's always, there's been the speculation of uh, are they going to have a, like another tier to the network? Have you heard about all that where oh, they're going to yeah, try the, to the, up the price? The tier, and then there's going to be that's extra been going on for a while, it, like evolve yeah, and like evolve progress and things like yep. that. And maybe that'll happen one of these days. Yep. I'll never see daylight and, if that happens. Yeah, no, you'll be you will be uh, you'll you'll just be a, a nonstop twenty four hour loop of reviews, like Zonka, which much. you almost are already. Yeah. So, but yeah, really enjoyable show again. If you're looking for something different to try out and you have the network, no reason not to give it a look. Yep, it's that's about what it's like. I think it's like uh, two hours forty nine minutes, something like that. Yeah, and it's it's a breeze. It's a breeze to get through, and I thought it's a, it a good. It's kind of a good introduction to Roddick too, because they did have some videos there to explain certain guys. To they showed some videos of some of the feuds that are going on. So. It wasn't like they're just kind of dropping you in with you having no idea what's going on at all. Exactly. So uh, Lenny Leonard did a good job explaining things too. So there's also that. Yeah. Oh God, Lenny Leonard is awesome. It's a one-man announce booth. That I mean, imagine, right? Yeah. He he is so good. Yeah. He's he's always done a really good job of bringing people into the product and explaining things and stuff. And that's honestly, he's been one of the strongest parts of the whole promotion. Because, I mean, you can't, you know, you're asking a lot of people to come in, like, cold a lot of times. Yeah. And he does a great job of just making you feel kind of welcome and, like, you know what's going on. Explain who these guys are and why they're there and their backgrounds and experience level and all that. But, uh, Steve Cook, I want to thank you for joining me today, buddy. Yeah, it was a good time uh, talking up that professional wrestling. There's a lot of it going on, man. There's just, it's nonstop. There is. So uh, thank you guys for listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Uh, Again, thanks to Steve Cook for joining me this week. And uh, 
have a good weekend, everybody.